Relocating to another country is always a challenge when you factor in finding a new place to live and work, securing school places and shifting your finances along with the contents of your home. It's no wonder then that some might think moving to their own country would be easier. Think again, says Simon Carhill, a chartered financial planner at London's Octopus Wealth. When former Dubai resident Simon relocated to his native UK last year, he realised the process was not as straightforward as he'd imagined. It encouraged him to write The Ultimate Guide to Leaving the UAE, a seven-part explainer on how to successfully repatriate from the Emirates and set up your life in Britain once again. From what to do with your assets abroad to how to navigate tax, sort out bank accounts, pensions and more, Simon's Guide tackles every area of your new life. Welcome to Pocketful of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hayne, and joining me today is the guide's author himself, Simon Carhill. Thank you for joining me, Simon. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. So why did you feel that a guide on relocating to the UK was needed? Obviously, you've been through this process. I've been through this process. So why do you think people need this? A number of reasons, uh, to be honest. You know, as you and I both know, you know moving home is quite an ordeal. There's a, there's a lot to consider. There's a, you know, there's a massive information out there if you're willing to spend the time looking all over the internet. But there's also quite a lot of misinformation um, and lots of bits in uh, in different places. You know, it's quite sort of difficult to uh, to navigate or or know who to trust if there's a, there's conflicting information. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm a I'm a chartered financial planner, so it's my job to know what to do on the finances side. But for everything else. It was just an absolute minefield, and it took me absolutely ages trying to work out what I needed to do and uh, and when. So, you know, when I got back, I, I had various people asking me what they should be doing, and uh, you know, also thinking of sort of moving home. And I decided the best thing to do would just be to put a you know kind of big guide together with everything I could think of, and uh, and hopefully it will be a sort of useful and and free resource for people moving home in the in the future. And to help you write the guide, you actually interviewed 30 British expatriates who'd already made the move. What was the key message that you you kind of gained from all of them? That was a, a really kind of fascinating experience going through that. I mean, because what, what I sort of quickly realised was that the best way to do this was not just write about my own experiences, uh, but also those you know who've also been there, done that. In answer to your your question, I'd say you know the key message from from pretty much all of them, that uh, as it says in the, the start of part one, is start planning early. That uh, you know I, I cannot emphasise just how much easier your life will be if you've uh, if you've got time on your side and, uh, and you can plan for it. I completely agree with you, Simon. I have to say, I actually planned my exit two years in advance of the actual date. But did you find that some people weren't as organised and perhaps some of them didn't have a choice at all as to how they left? Yeah. And, you know, there was a real mix sort of based on the people who who I spoke to. You know, some had planned it quite considerably uh, in advance, like like yourself, as you mentioned, but, um, whereas others had been made redundant on the on the back of COVID. But uh, obviously the, the economy was changing uh, quite a lot last year, but uh, so they had to make quite a quick decision to uh, to move home. So, you know, from my point of view, I got a real kind of breadth of experiences, which was helpful when, when putting the, uh, the guides together. But you know, you've always got to remember, you know, nothing's certain in the UAE, but, uh, you know, things can change very quickly. But, uh, you know, it's good to have a, a sort of contingency plan and, you know, I guess, know what barriers could be uh, could be in your way. But there was a, a real breadth of people who were, who I spoke to about that. So if we kind of look at what you need to do first, I mean, if you, if you, in my case, you know, I started two years in advance and I started thinking about how my life might be in the UK, what I might be doing. Um, and started thinking about where we would live and schools, et cetera, et cetera. But before, obviously, before you get to that actual stage of being in the UK, you actually have to extricate yourself 
from the UAE. And to do that, you've got to be thinking about lots of aspects such as rent, selling your items, booking shippers, et cetera, et cetera. So what are the first steps you think we should take before people exit? Yeah, I think the, the first thing everyone should do really is just plan a timeline at, uh, you know, and consider how things impact each other. So, uh, you know, once you're sort of getting closer to the end, you know, it's little things like making sure you've done everything whilst you've still got your Emirates ID, you know, you're going to find it very difficult to like, close a, a phone contract or, or a bank account with, without it. But, you know, I think different people's timelines might look slightly different based on their circumstances, you know, and again, kind of how far to plan in advance will depend on your, you know, your family situation, your, your asset situation, how long you've been offshore and um, things like that. So if you've got something like a property, which you want to sell before you move home, you've obviously got to consider how long that might take, you know, it's often a lot longer than, uh, than you might think. As a general rule, uh, my suggestion would be if you can start planning it around a year to a year and a half in advance, because that's really, you know, it's going to be really key in terms of your your asset picture and sort of if you can you know, decide in the tax year prior to, uh, sorry, prior to uh, to leaving, so you've got more options available to you in terms of tax planning, that's something which will uh, which will make your uh, your life easier. But as I said, you know, it's all about sort of getting this this timeline um, together. You know, how long is your notice period for your job, uh, for example, making sure you're giving up notice. You, you mentioned renting, so same goes for that. You know, I heard some absolute nightmare stories about people not giving enough notice um, to landlords for uh, you know, ending their uh, their tenancy contracts and then having to pay out. You know, additional rent and things like this, and it's just all of these extra stresses which you just don't need in your uh, in your final months, and and can be avoided by uh, by doing a bit of planning. Um, but the same goes, obviously. You know, what are you going to do with all of your you know, your stuff, at, uh, all of your uh, your belongings? But uh, you know, some people sell them and uh, and start afresh in the UK. Some people ship everything. Um, but e- you know, either way, it's going to need organising. So, you know, whether it's deciding on a ship- shipping company, getting some quotes, working out. The process is, you know, is really something which you should do kind of early on. Uh, and I, you know, I put some you know, recommendations for uh, for companies and the guys if people want to uh, to have a look. But yeah, it, it all ties into each other. Same as you know, selling a car, uh, something like that. You know, some of the people who I, I spoke to who had had to leave quite quickly. Um, yeah, in some cases, pretty much had to just you know almost give away their uh, the cars. But uh, you know, if you want to get a decent price for it and yeah, you're going to make sure or you're going to have to make sure that you've got time on your side so that you can um, you can negotiate. But, uh, so it's there's so much to consider uh, from, you know, right up, you know, kind of 18 months or so in advance all the way up to your, your kind of final um, final few days. I mean, one of the things which people tended to find difficult uh, from people I spoke to was, was phone contracts, um, which was quite strange because that was, for, for me personally, something I, I found really easy um, to do. But, you know, it was one person actually in particular who, had such an issue with his phone, but he couldn't uh, he couldn't end the uh, the contract, and as a, as a result, couldn't then close his bank account. So he had to keep paying for this bill for about a year after he left the country, uh, and eventually had to fly back to Dubai for the weekend. You know, spent the entire time with the uh, phone company in the Mall of the Emirates, and uh, you know, trying to close down his bank account. It's just these situations are so unavoidable if you just you know get the sort of planning right. So just you know think ahead do what you can you know if you need security checks things like that but uh, police checks just make sure you, you know you've got your emirates id you, you do everything in the right order but it all comes back to having that timeline but uh, you know that's really what i would kind of strongly encourage people to do right at the start think about what needs to get done and and what order it needs to be done in. the timeline is important but also uh, you know once you've decided i'm going to do various things at various stages i would actually recommend doing things in advance of that so for example, you talk about the phones, I'd actually already called, you know, my husband and I had different phones with different uh, providers and I called both providers, I think three months ahead of 
actually closing them to find out what I had to do so that I knew exactly what I had to do when it actually happened. And that really helps. And again, being very transparent with my landlord and having that conversation. I think it was six months ahead of actually leaving. So he knew exactly what I was doing uh, and he was prepared. So he knew what he needed to do. Um, And then, you know, you're talking about getting shipping quotes that's very important and 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 really consolidating your stuff you don't want to take all your stuff back with you i have to say i spent a lot of time using sites such as debizzle and and uh, either selling stuff or giving stuff away and just kind of getting all that stuff down so you've got a lot less to take home with you because believe me when it all arrives at the other end you don't want every <laughs> single thing that you thought you needed in the uae yeah, but what about the financial side of things because you know as well as closing phone and utility bills closing your bank accounts is very very tricky and if you get that timing wrong for example if you close your debts too late then it means that you can't close your bank account and you really do need to close that bank account before you exit so can you talk about how much time you should give to that process again i think it will slightly depend on your situation but uh, as you've got you know if you've got something like a mortgage there's going to be more to it than, uh, than if you've got no no debt whatsoever but uh, but you know like you said getting any debt and credit cards paid off as early as possible you know you, you can't close your account if you if you've still got debt but so that needs to be the kind of first step to having all of that uh, kind of paid off but speaking to the bank again you know like you're talking about with your landlord but uh, it's letting the bank know that you you will be exiting at a, a sort of certain point in the future but uh, so checking off what they what they need from you and it's, it's not a particularly difficult process to uh, to go through you just need to sort of filling out the, uh, the right forms but you know absolutely don't leave the country if you've got debt but uh, you know, unless it's a, it's a mortgage which has been uh, organized but also if you're going to close your debts make sure you do it well in advance so for example with a credit card you need something like 45 days after you close it before your bank account can actually be shut so if you decide oh i'm going to close my credit card in july and i'm going to exit in july you're not going to be able to close your bank account because you haven't had that 45 period uh, where the bank can see if there's any more transactions coming in so it's little things like that you really need to speak to the bank to make sure you're on top of it yeah absolutely and it, you know, it keeps coming back to that forward planning but knowing what you need to do but to making a list of all of these uh, all of these various bits you know when you're going through it if you're doing things in the right way it, you know it isn't actually difficult i remember speaking to, uh, to to my bank and you know it wasn't it wasn't a difficult process to uh, to go through but like you said if i'd have left that you know a month later or or whatever it might have been then actually that's when people really start running into trouble but um, but it just comes back to to knowing what you need to do but to preparing for it and uh, and making sure you you, you, know, you take those necessary steps. What about sending money home? Because again, you you need to receive your end of service gratuity and you need to send it. But if you need it to go into your bank account, then that kind of gets awkward because your bank account may need to be shut. So you might have to have a grace period after after you've finished your job where you're waiting for your gratuity for that money to come into your account so you can then send it and close your account. It's a very complicated process that bit, isn't it? It can be, yeah. But uh, and again, you know, you should be obviously speaking to your company. But uh, so you, you know, you have an idea of when things like end of service will be uh, will be paid, so that you can factor that into the uh, the kind of bigger um, bigger picture. Um, in terms of sending money home, then yeah, absolutely. Obviously, firstly, you've got to have a UK bank account, um, and then making sure that you, you know, you've. You know, the process is uh, is sort of there, uh, if that makes sense. But uh, you know, there's there's a kind of a various different sort of I'd say urban legends that are going around at uh, places like the UAE, like the, you know, a bank will will freeze your assets, but uh, if um, if end of service comes in because they think you're about to uh, to leave the country, uh, and uh, you know, from my understanding is that that has happened to a uh, sort of few people uh, in the past. 
although it's not sort of common practice, but uh, you know, it's not something which the banks should be doing if uh, if that does come in. So it's just, as I said, but uh, you know, having those conversations, but uh, knowing that, as you said, you know, if uh, if you need a grace period for it, but uh, you have a conversation with the uh, with the bank up front, then they know what situation you're in, so then you don't get any kind of nasty surprises as you're uh, as you're moving through. And of course, you can get your gratuity paid directly to to the UK as well, which is also an option if you if you need to get out of the country after you've closed your account. That that's also an option. But what about assets held abroad? So if you've got investments overseas, uh, but in an investment account, for example, wh- what's the approach there? Um, so if you've got sort of investments. Uh, which you sort of manage manage yourself, but um, then you know it really kind of depends on what structure they're in. So you know if it's just a straight up investment account that, uh, which you which you manage and it's made gains, then it's likely going to be in your interest to to sell it before you re- uh, repatriate and return with the cash, so that you avoid any UK capital gains tax um, liability. And then once you've done that, you can then obviously plan how you're going to redistribute once you're in the UK using those uh, the tax wrappers available. But you know something which is actually really key on this point but um and, and everybody should be aware of is that you know what i've just said this isn't a kind of generic rule you know it does depend on how long you've been offshore so it's absolutely key to to take advice on uh, on these kind of areas but even if you you know you think you you know what you're doing ju- just to be sure it's one of those things which you don't want to be wrong on but uh, you know kind of get advice and uh, and make sure sh- make sure you don't get uh, caught out um so that would be my, my sort of suggestion for uh you know, kind of investment accounts. If the asset which you hold offshore is some, you know, is a property, you need to consider what you want to do with it. And so, you know, the UAE housing market has, has dropped fairly significantly, uh, I'd say, over the last few years. But uh, so, if you have a property, you might be selling it at a loss. But then again, you know, who knows what could happen in the future? There's, you know, there's still a lot of building going on, so it's possible the market the market could uh, could drop further. But what people should be aware of is that if they decide to keep you know, a property which they've purchased in the UAE when they return home and they, they're going to rent it out, as UK residents, you know, UK taxpayers, they'll be liable to income tax on any rental income which they yield from their, from their UAE properties. So it's, you know, it's a key factor in that kind of decision making. You know, if they're a higher or additional rate taxpayer in the UK, then it's likely not something which would be sort of particularly tax efficient. Um, I'd say, but um, so it's just as I said, you know, having these com- uh, conversations with yourself, your family, sort of ahead of time, if you need to get advice, but to make sure you uh, you get advice. Um, but I think the, the kind of final point I'd say on that is just is little bits of misinformation which I uh, I heard about when uh, when interviewing the, uh, the various different people for uh, for these guides. You know, it's. It's really interesting how confident people can be in something they've read on a kind of social media channel. It's something like Facebook. People write posts in groups and then take the answers they get as hard truths. But you've got to remember that these answers are, you know, kind of completely unregulated. You know, there's no issue for the person who, who's who's written the comment if what they're saying turns out to be wrong and it's been bad advice. But uh, so for anyone. You know, I think it's very normal for uh, for a lot of people just to you know, ask questions on these uh, these social media channels. But before you act, you know, think about you know do you, do you know this person? You know what's their what's their job? How do they know about the answers which they're uh, they're giving? But uh, making sure that you're you're getting the appropriate advice, so you don't get caught out if you are you know selling investments or uh, or something like that before you go back. Now, once you're back in the UK. Um... You know, you you may be looking to rent a house, uh, buy a car, take out insurance on your car, possibly secure a mortgage. And this is something that I found very interesting is that I found all of this pretty easy because I actually kept a UK bank account open the whole time that I was away, which was 15 years. And I 
held on to my um, UK credit card. And so it meant that the process was pretty easy. But I understand that a lot of people don't do that. And so as a result, it affects their credit score. And then they struggle to get credit when they get to this country. You know, that was a huge issue, actually, for quite a few people who I, who I spoke to. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, make the mistake of thinking that they're moving away forever, you know, close down everything in the UK and then find it quite difficult when they, they change their mind a few years later and, uh, and move home. So, you know, I, I spoke to some people who, who just had absolutely no credit rating uh, when they got back because, as I said, they closed everything down and they really struggled with, with basic things like, like getting car insurance but, uh, when, when you know, they sort of got back. So... If you haven't done things like sort of kept a uh, you know kept a bank account, uh, for example, you know, the sooner you can start thinking about these sorts of things and getting them open again, you know, starting to build in, you know, sort of build your your credit rating out again. And the, you know, there's various tips in the in the guides uh, on how to uh, how to do this. It's really really beneficial for uh, for before you you get back for the reasons which you've explained. But yeah, again, if, if it's something like buying a property, you know, and, and getting a mortgage, you you. you will struggle to do that without any level of a of a credit rating so speak to a mortgage advisor yeah there's also something which i think is quite a lot of misinformation out there on but you know the knowledge of you know, a good mortgage advisor can make your uh, your life a lot easier but um if you're you know, struggling with things like uh, like credit and your options but yeah making sure that you've got as much of a presence as you can before you get home that's really going to stand you in good stead now the big one obviously is tax you know expatriates traditionally get very worried about paying tax and how they're going to be taxed and all those kinds of um, challenges. And if you're re-entering the UK, particularly if you're doing it in the middle of a year, there are, you know, that you do have to think about split year tax treatment and those kinds of things. I have to say the process wasn't as horrendous as I thought it would be. And I just followed certain steps. But what are the key things that people should be looking out for? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, tax is obviously the one which I say tends to be the biggest culture shock in terms of moving home, you know, particularly if you've been away for a sort of 10, 10 or 20 years or so. But as you said, you know, first thing to start thinking about, I would say, is the actual date of when you're you're coming back uh, in the year. So, you know, as you said, uh, you might be able to s- split your tax year, you know, one part for when you were UK resident and one for when you're still resident in the, in the UAE. So it, it means that you would benefit from applying the UK tax rules from the date at which you move back rather than for the whole tax year. So, you know, it, could, it has the potential to, uh, to save you quite a lot of money and, and it can be, you know, quite complicated, but uh, in terms of dealing with the, uh, the statutory residence test, which is uh, which is in, in place now. Um, and I actually, again, it was one of those examples where I spoke to a, a number of people about it, heard some very kind of different um, different stories. One person, you know, didn't get tax advice. Uh, and ended up being landed with an unexpected uh, tax bill. Oh, it's just over about £32,000 uh, when he got back to the UK because he got it wrong. So you know, it just goes to show how crucial this, uh, this piece can be. But then on the other side of that coin, another lady um, who I, uh, I spoke to, she actually got um, paid just over about £10,000 back after she had the advice. So this was money she didn't know that she would be, uh, she would be getting back. So you know, going through that, understanding your, uh, your kind of residency is, uh, is key. What about retirement, though? I mean, for some people are actually moving back to the UK to retire, you know, put their feet up. I've had a great time in the sun. Off I go. What do they need to consider? Yeah, so there's quite a lot to consider, you know, particularly if you've been in the uh, in the UAE for, for the long term. The first, obviously, is how are you going to fund it? You know, what what's your cost of living going to be? But it's likely to be quite different to, uh, to what it was in the UAE. So, you know, I'd strongly encourage anyone at this stage of life to be doing, you know, cash flow planning, but, uh, you know, financial forecasting, which just sort of helps you. Um, see, you know, kind of how realistic your expectations are. 
and making a plan for the future so that you can you know, live the life which you want and, uh, and not run out of money. Um, another big one is you know, considering your, your asset base and how you're actually going to access income whilst being as tax efficient as possible. So this is going to, you know, something very different to what um, people would have been used to if they've been in the UAE for a long term. Um, but it's, you know, in the UK, it's all about maximizing your, your various different allowances and, and reliefs, which the government affords you to make sure that you're minimizing your, uh, your, your tax liability and, and, you know, making sure that you're, you're not going to run out of money, you know, in the, in the UK at the moment, if you're, if you're 60, then you, you have a life expectancy of 85 uh, as a man and, and 87 as a woman, you know, that's, that's 27 years of life um but it, you know it's also an average so if you're you know, particularly healthy there's a you know good chance you might live longer than that so m- making sure your investments are set up in the right way to sort of you know combat inflation and maintain your your income requirements and you know, you're being as tax efficient as possible really really key to uh, to ensuring that your you know your overall assets are uh, are sustainable now your guide offers lots of practical advice uh, on things like signing up for the electoral register, which is very important for your credit score, registering for the NHS, you know, finding schools, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of very practical tips around just kind of resetting your life back up in the UK. But what about financial advice? I mean, people, expatriates often think the financial advice is something you only need to take because you're you're overseas and you need help with a tax-free salary. But do people also need advice once they get back to the UK? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And you're right, you know, because there's not really much of a pension system in the UAE, um, aside for, uh, for end of service gratuity, which which isn't really the, uh, the sort of same thing. So the onus is for everyone to to sort of save and invest for themselves. And, uh, and obviously a lot of people choose to, uh, to, to get advice for that. Now, in the UK, with auto enrollment on on pensions you know the vast majority of people automatically save into a pension so that there's less of a worry you know you're also paying national insurance on your salary and um, so that helps to uh, to build your your state pension too so consequently you know i think for a lot of people they might simply just be topping up an isa uh, each year or uh, you know kind of along with their pensions may not need to uh, to pay for uh, for financial advice um, but i would say for, for others who perhaps earn uh, a little bit more the uk system can be a really complicated system to uh, to navigate and this is where sort of paying for advice can be you know, extremely beneficial so you know even on the sort of tax planning alone and you ensuring you're utilizing all of the these allowances and reliefs which i'm i'm speaking about which are available to everyone you know m- many people offset the costs of advice simply on that before they even start to think um you know, about the actual investments uh, for themselves. So for a lot of people, it's just about getting that understanding, you know, as early as possible and understanding the importance of their sort of decision making, you know, having someone challenge those decisions and then understanding that little tweaks and changes over time can have a you know, really vast impact, um, which ultimately is just going to help people to get where they want to um, much quicker. But uh, so, so certainly, but it's a much more sort of complicated uh, system. But uh, so for a lot of people, there's, uh, but not everybody, uh, there's, there's certainly a, a huge value in advice. So to sum up, Simon, for someone considering a move back to the UK now, what are the top three things you would advise them to do? Um, somebody moving back to uh, to the UK uh, right now, but uh, you know, I mean, as I said, you know, I can't stress enough how much easier your life will be if you can just start planning early. At a, you know, ideally in the previous tax year. So that would certainly be sort of number one uh, of my list. Number two, if you have assets and, uh, you know, then, then get advice, but uh, both tax advice and, and advice on the investments well in advance of leaving so that if you need to do anything, you have enough time to to do it without getting any kind of nasty surprises when uh, when you get back. And then as the, the final one, obviously, you know, there's so much to consider, but to be honest, you know, what I'd probably say is that 
you know, make sure you enjoy your your remaining time there. That's, you know, don't take it for granted. But the uh, UK is obviously, you know, UAE is obviously a fantastic place. Um, and whilst you know the UK has a lot to offer, which the UAE doesn't, you know, there's a reason why you moved out there. But uh, so make sure you you know enjoy those things that uh, which you can't get in the UK in the UK whilst uh, whilst you still can. But, uh, yeah, mostly the sun, <laughs> to be honest. But, Absolutely, uh, <laughs> I think I definitely miss that sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us this week, Simon. No problem at all. Thank you for having me, Alice. Thank you this week to Simon Carhill. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan. I've been your host, Alice Hayne. <laughs>